seat. So good to be with you this morning. Thank you. Um, I don't know if there are any of our people that went to El Salvador in the room. Are you guys, is anybody in here? There's a couple, a couple right back here, a couple, there you go. Yeah, yeah, come on, that's good. Uh, yeah, we had a whole group of people go to El Salvador, and they just got back late last night. Uh, I think they got in around 1 o'clock, and uh, they're still here at church. So what's your excuse, right, for some of us? I mean, they were here. They were ready to rock and roll. Uh, so proud of them and the work that they're doing uh, in El Salvador. Uh, just believing that God is doing an amazing work down there. As a church, um, our heart is to not only make a difference in our city, our nation, but also in the world around us. And we have a very strategic partnership down in El Salvador. Uh, and there is a, a lady down there that we partner with who is just doing a great job down there. And, and the thing is, is, is as a church, you may or may not know this, but you're a part of that. You're, you help with that. You know, financially we support them, but we also uh, send teams, you know, and we have a various kinds of connections that we're trying over time to build this long-term connection that can lead to greater and greater impact, not just, you know, in our city, but in, in the world around us, which is ultimately God's heart. It's, it's God's heart for, for the, the mission of Christ to go all around the globe so that everybody might hear the message of Jesus. And so I'm just so proud of you. Thank you. For, for some of you, you, you actually helped someone go. Maybe you supported them financially. Uh, maybe you went, and a couple of you that actually went. And then there are some of you that you supported by praying or maybe even mobilizing them or maybe you even twisted their arm to get them on the plane. You know what I'm saying? Come on, sometimes you got to push them a little bit, give them a little push a little bit, right, to, to help people go ahead and take that step. And I know many of you were involved in that, and uh, I just believe that there were eternal, come on, listen to me, eternal deposits that were made. And see, we don't always see the results of those things, but I can guarantee you every seed we plant in the name of the gospel is a good seed, and God is going to do something with it. And so I'm just grateful for the work that they were doing. And then also, if you're a teenager in here, come on, you need to sign up for this small group. And the reason I say that, and not small group, kind of the student ministry group, uh, is, is this is the time. I really do believe in the history of our church, this is the time to get in on this. Because I believe God is people that's going to make a significant difference. And so if you're young or a, a person between, you know, ages of 6th grade and 12th grade, uh, this is the time to say, you know what? I'm going to put that Xbox down for a second. I'm going to show up. I'm going to do that because I want my life to matter. And God wants your life to matter. And as a church, we want to invest in you so that your life will matter and have significance that will not just be for this time, but also will echo, as they say, throughout eternity. And so uh, I hope that you'd say, if you're a parent in here and you want to sign your kid up, go ahead, just sign them up now. Uh, and then also, if you're, a, if you're a person that really enjoys working with teenagers, right, uh, let us know. Uh, just give us, send us an email. Uh, if you're not in the pipeline yet, we'll get you in the pipeline uh, so that you can begin that process because we need people that want to invest and love on teenagers too. And so we've got all kinds, and so we'd love for you to do that. Okay, let me, let me I'm going to pray for us, but before I do, um, in the first service, we had a, a, a gal that had a seizure, it, it appeared, and it, it was right in the middle of our, my message, and 
And as a church, you know, for anybody that was online, you may be actually tuning in because you, because the I think the feed was cut. Um, and you know, and we we begin to pray and we begin to minister for her. And and uh, I just want you to know that that I, I did get a report uh, that she's at the the hospital and she's stable. They have her medicated, you know, and so she's resting uh, so that they can begin the process of doing some tests to kind of understand what's going on um, with her. Uh, it appears some kind of seizure. I'm not a doctor, but, but you know, um, and so I would just invite you to continue to pray for her and her family, um, and, and we will continue to try and give updates or reports that are appropriate, uh, you know, as we go. And so uh, but I, I thought it might be reasonable for me to pray for them as we start this morning, okay? Let me pray. Jesus, I pray for this family, specifically for healing to happen in her body. Jesus, we know that you're already there. We know that you're already working. But Lord, we do pray, because that's what we can do. We can pray and we can believe. In faith, just like that song says, that we see miracles coming. And so, God, we pray for a miracle today. We pray that you would show up in power and absolutely do something that they say can't be done. We believe for it. We trust you for it. We pray for your provision, your protection, and your health over this family, over these teenage boys that saw their mom in that place, over this husband. God, I pray that you would be with them. Help us, God, as a church to love people that are hurting. In Jesus' name, amen. I was, re I was reading, I'm, I have this scripture in my, my head that I think on often. And it's that God is close to the brokenhearted. But this morning I was reading in Psalm and in the Psalms and, and it talked about how God's not only close to the brokenhearted, but he, he heals the brokenhearted. Um, and so we pray for healing. We pray for healing over this family in Jesus' name. Amen? Amen. Amen. Awesome. Well, we're continuing. No, actually, we're starting a series today called We Need a Big Idea. Um, and if you're wondering what that is, uh, I promise you I'll let you in on what it is in just a moment. Um, the other day, my wife and I were hanging out, and she had my phone. She had my phone, and um, she was looking at my phone. And, and I don't know if you, I don't know what kind of phone you have. Uh, you, you may have uh, an, an Apple phone, you know, or you may have one of those other ones that we don't speak of. Um, but, 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 but Apple has a, a particular browser called Safari, and you know, and so you go to Safari, and she was going to Safari, and she, she was looking at that, and somehow she got a, a view of all the open uh, windows, I guess you'd call them, right? The browser windows that I had on my phone. And apparently I had like some 40 plus like open, like they were open, right? They just tons of, tons of information, tons of sites that were on there. And she was like, why do you need 40 of these open? You know, I didn't even know I had them open. You know what I mean? 
And, and so, so she was talking to me, and I don't know about you, but maybe you have that. Maybe you have browsers open, like tons of them, and they're probably eating up your battery right now, and you don't even know it, you know, killing your data, you know, doing the whole thing. And, 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 and perhaps you know what I'm talking about. If you go on my computer right now, I know I have at least, at least five uh, windows that are open for, for various sites, and some of you may have that, and you may have like uh, all the podcasts and the Facebook and you've got this site locked in and, and you've got this subscription being currently downloaded right now as if I'm speaking there it's being downloaded to your phone so that you can listen to it later you've got like I am which I don't even think we use I am anymore uh, you've got text messages you've got everything at your fingertips I mean you literally have the world in your hand when it comes to information and your ability to get to information and all that. And I, I don't know, can you relate to this? I mean, you're just locked in, you're loaded. You've got all the information you could possibly want. And, 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 and what happens is there's absolutely this inundation with information. But it leads to this question. Is, is that good? Like, is it good to have this kind of information? Is it good to have all of these resources at our fingertips? You know what I'm talking about, where you can get to any news article, anything that you want. Your phone is blowing up. You, you're, oh, the, the mailbox. The mailbox. Some of you need to clean out your mailbox. I have never in my life understood somebody that has 3,000 emails that just sits there. I mean, I, I don't even know how you function in life. Just get rid of them. Just do something with that. You know, and so what I, I did, because I, I couldn't do it, I, I turned off the little red dot on my phone because it was something about the red dot that made me want to touch it. Right? It's like you just want to touch it. It's like, it's red. I have to touch it. And it's like it's calling you. Come. Partake of the fruit. That's on the inside of this button. And you press it. And it's never good, is it? I mean, it's rare that you get a good one. Like, as a pastor, I, I can't think of the times that I've gotten a good email, you know? It's usually there's a problem, there's something going on, or it's some company sending me some email about something that I probably don't want, but eventually they convince me I do. You know what I'm talking about. And, and you go in and you experience it, but it never really helps you, and you get more information and more stuff. Some of you just need to turn the red light off. Save you. All kinds of pain and misery to where you actually started telling your phone what to do rather than your phone telling you what to do. Have you ever been in a place where you were at the light, a stoplight, you're sitting at the light and you automatically reach for your phone? Anybody do that? Come on, don't be honest. Like you literally can't sit at a stoplight without touching your phone. You stop, boom. I mean, we're like rats in cages. I mean, we really are. We're just, we got to get our treat. We got to get our, you know, that a boy, our dopamine shot. Just, just, I just got to get it. And so you reach for your phone to get that information that you need, apparently at the stoplight. 
Because if you don't get it then, I mean, when are you going to get it, right? And it's just like you just keep going and keep going. And there's all this information and all of this stuff that, 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 that we're supposed to have. And, and I, I, I've, I've been thinking a lot about this. Is that perhaps there's just too much information. And here's the other thing that I've really been considering, and I think this is where we're going to go today is that is it possible that all the information that I'm getting, all the notifications, everything, because again, I'm not against information. Information can be a very good thing, you know? But is it possible that that information is doing something negative to us as human beings? Because uh, we live in an information age, and we, to be real honest, and you've heard me probably say this before, is we don't really know the full impact on our brains as human beings what it means to live in this new world and and so again i i want to spend a little time talking about this because i really believe that god has something for us here i wanted to read what what i'll just call our message series verse listen to this this is in matthew chapter 4 verse 19 jesus says this he says or the Bible says this in Matthew. Jesus called out to them, Come, follow me, and I will show you how to fish for people. Isn't that good? Jesus paints this picture, and he gives us this, this idea. This, let's say it's a big idea. Because wrapped up in that idea are so many possibilities, aren't there? So many possibilities that if, 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 if we could get this right, the implications of this, follow me, become fishers of men, fishers of people, teach me to fish, right? If we could get this right, then it's a massive, massive thing. It's a big idea. And if that big idea becomes our idea, it could radically change our lives. Jesus presents that in two sentences. Now, the problem is, is that many of us are living in this world with all this information, all of these things, and what happens is we actually start to believe that more is better. How many of us know that more is not better? I mean, come on. You're like, I know. Like, I like Skittles. Well, actually, I don't like Skittles. Some of you like Skittles. Apparently, it's the most popular candy in America. Did you know that? Skittles is the one. All of you are upset now. But there are people that pound Skittles. And it's one thing to eat a couple of Skittles, but it's another thing to eat a bunch of Skittles. And if you eat too many Skittles, you'll probably get sick. So more is not always better. And so, so what happens is we start to live in this world where more is better. If, if I have one news article, three are better. If I have one notification, 26 are better because that means I'm, I must be more important. I must be liked. I, you know, if my email inbox is full, then maybe I'm somebody. <laughs> I'm sure it doesn't go that deep for you. But, but, but ultimately, all of this information isn't necessarily always helping us. And so more isn't always better. And what I want to suggest to us today is that less is often more. 
that less is often more. And that Jesus spoke very clearly about this idea. He spoke very clearly because he wanted us to get it. He wanted us to understand, but he didn't want us just to understand. He wanted us to do something with it. Do you understand? See, we live in a world that is inundated with all kinds of information. Listen to this. Our world is now producing nearly two exabytes. Do any of you know what an exabyte is? I don't know what an exabyte is. I had to look it up. Some of you, like, IT nerds are, like, all in. You're like, oh, I got all the bytes. I know all about the bytes. All the exabytes. Apparently, the exabytes is like, I think, like a billion gigabytes. See? You don't even know there was a gigabyte. Anyway. But we live in a world that with nearly two exabytes of new and unique messages placed in over, listen to this, 260,000 billboards, 11,520 newspapers, 11,556 periodicals, 27 video outlets, 50,000 new book titles, and 60 billion pieces of junk mail. Every year. Think about that. That's every year. So exponentially, I mean, just think about this. Ten years later, it's like all over. I mean, it's so much information. So much is coming at us. See, our world will make available more information in the next decade than has been discovered in all of human history. Think about that. We have more information. Is it necessarily bad? No, not necessarily. It's not necessarily bad to have information, is it? I mean, it can be super helpful. Historically, having more information has always been a good thing. However, come on, our ability to collect, listen to me, information has grown. This is important. This is where we're headed. Our ability to collect information has grown, but our ability to process that information has not kept up. Now, why is that a big deal? Why is this preacher standing on this platform talking about that reality? Friends, there's a spiritual reality here that we have to see. Matter of fact, Neil Postman named our society a technopoly. Yeah, that's his word, technopoly. Some of you are like, what's that mean? It, it means, listen, it means that we have a glut of information. But that glut of information is not necessarily useful and potentially dangerous. Potentially dangerous. Now, why would that be? Here we go. This is where it gets real. We are spending more time, listen to this, we are spending more time studying information in the past, which leaves us less time for action today. Now, why is that a big deal? Why would it be a big deal? Why would I stand up on this 
platform and talk about this reality that we literally don't have the capacity to process the information that is coming at us every day of our life. Why is this such a big deal? Well, it's a big deal because Jesus laid out a mission for us. And if we spend our days processing information in the past and that information never turns into action today, then the enemy has us right where we, he wants us. Do you understand what I'm saying? Is that what can happen is we get so focused on the information, we get so focused on the information that's happening or has happened that we lose sight of the action that God wants us to be fulfilling today. And you're saying, well, why is this such a big deal? Because here's the thing I know about you, whether you know it or not, is that your brain doesn't have the capacity I don't care how smart you are, because I'm sure some of you are real smart. You got like 36s on your ACT. You don't have to raise your hand. That's okay. But some of you are really smart, and you're like, I got a brain. I can process. Here's what I know. Science tells us that our brain doesn't have the capacity to process all of the information that's coming at us in a given day. That you, you literally can't do it. And so what happens is you're inundated with more and more and more. And, and quite frankly, what I've, I've noticed is the more information people have, it tends to increase their fear and anxiety and worry, huh? <laughs> Come on now. Because see, the more we know doesn't always help us. Sometimes the more we know actually hurts us. And so, so having more and more and more information doesn't necessarily lead to positive movement forward in my life. Matter of fact, it can put me in a doom loop. It can put me in this place where I'm just looking at the information. Uh, I don't know about you, but have you ever had too much information that you couldn't make a decision? You know what I'm talking about? Like you just, there's just too much. It's too much. It's like, I don't even know what to do now. I've got this one and this one and this person and this information. And the next thing you know, you find it difficult to even make a decision. See, God doesn't want that for us. Jesus doesn't want that for us. Jesus has a better way for us. We live at a time in history where the church has more information out there than ever before. So logically, it would make sense then that if we have more information, more Christian stuff out there now, then that would mean that the church is growing and being more effective in this world. It should, right? But the church in America continues to die. The church in America continues to shrink. And so, so what's the problem? Is it that we don't have enough information? No. It's not that we don't have enough information. There's a deeper problem, and that's what I'm trying to get at today. And I can guarantee you there aren't many preachers in the world or in America right now preaching this message to their congregation. And I'm not saying that I'm cool. I'm saying that I've heard from the Lord on something, and I need to share it with you. That we as a people have to begin to understand that if we spend more time gaining information and less time acting on the gospel and on the mission of Christ, then something is wrong. Something is seriously wrong. See, let's face it. Brutal facts, okay? Like, you know, I don't know, some of you business people out there, you've read the book Good to Great. And some of you are like, I don't even know what that is. <laughs> it's, a, it's a classic book had a huge impact in the business community. But one of the things that he says in there is that in order to move from good to great, you have to be honest. 
<laughs> look, you just have to really deal with the facts. You have to look at what's real as an organization. You can't lie to yourself. You know what I'm talking about? Like, we lie to ourselves all the time. Like, yeah, we're doing great. But the bottom line's not great, right? Your numbers aren't good. You know, the, the, the facts are our friends when we're trying to assess. And, and, and so he says, if, if you don't look at the facts, and so here are the facts. Information is not bad, right? We know that. It's not bad to have information. More information isn't necessarily bad. And matter of fact, more Christian information isn't bad. But here it is. And this is the thing I want you to see. More information that leads us to less action is a big, big problem. Particularly when it comes to the action we desire, or we should be desiring, which is to accomplish the mission of Jesus. So if the information we're getting is leading to less action and less accomplishment of the mission because we're caught in the past, thinking about what this information is, never doing anything with it, then we have a problem. Is this making sense to you? Now, I saw some of you are you're thinking, okay, well, what does this have to do with me? It has a lot to do with you. It really does. Whether you're a believer in Jesus Christ today or whether you're not, this has a big impact in your life. Because one thing that may help you today, just, just to get you started, is to pull yourself out of the matrix a little bit. You know what I'm talking about? Just unplug. Take the pill. Whatever the color of that pill was, take it. Because God wants to pull you out of the system that you're in right now. He wants to pull you out of this information age that's causing you all of these problems. And again, I'm not saying that information is necessarily bad, but if you don't see information for what it is, what can happen is you can start to believe all of the stuff that you're hearing, creating all of these problems, anxiety, fears, worries, yes, but also can distract you, which is ultimately what the enemy wants. And if you get distracted, you stop fulfilling your mission, which is to see the world know Jesus. Did you notice what Jesus said in Matthew 4? It was a big idea. And that big idea was very clear. It wasn't confusing. And so we need less information, matter of fact. We need less information transfer. That's what's happening right now. I'm, I'm transferring information to you. We need less of this and more of out there and working this thing out in our lives. Because, see, it's not enough just to hear it, right? The Bible says it's not enough just to hear it. We have to do something with it. And so we've got to get to a point where it's not about transferring information. It's not about getting more and more information. It's about taking the information we have and applying it and getting actionable items going out in the world around us. Now, some of us are like, well, that's not what I like right you're like i like church man i like to come i like to sing i like to feel good i like to do the thing and i get it me too but if i'm not doing the thing then we've got a problem jesus says so i'm not saying it jesus is saying it so here's what i want to tell you about this is what i believe the lord has said to me is as a church we are going to get real serious about getting real clear real clear about what it is God is saying what it is that the Bible is saying so that we can take that clarity and do something with it see see that's what I'm interested in and so what we're going to be doing is we're going to be shifting some things in our church and so as a church we have small groups and around here small groups are an essential part of what we do but what happens if 
if, if you're trying to create a laser beam and you can't focus light, it's not going to work, right? You're not going to be able to do it because, again, a laser beam is focused light. It's, it's focused light. So if you can create focused light, you can create power. And so what we're going to do is in our small groups is all of our small groups are going to start functioning under what we're calling discussion groups or the big idea. And so the reason I'm telling you this is some of you are like, well, we're not going to do that thing or we're not going to. No, we're not. And the reason we're not is because we're going to get focused. We're going to get clear. We're going to understand what the big idea is and what we should then do with it. Now, our small groups are still going to be great, but what we're going to be doing is talking about that big idea together. Can you imagine if we all started to understand the big idea for that week and then did something with it that week? Can you imagine? Can you imagine if all the adults in here did that? Can you imagine if all the kids and all the teenagers did that as well? Like, that's where we're headed. Now, we don't have it all put together yet, but our goal is to get to a place where there's a big idea that is present among us that we're all thinking about. Wouldn't it be cool to have, like, going home in your, in your van and you're headed home with your kids and your kids are like, you say, what did you learn? And they're like, hey, I learned about this. And you're like, me too. I learned about that too. And the next thing you know, you're talking about it at dinner. And then the next thing you know, maybe, just maybe, you as a family are deciding to do something with it that week. Can you imagine if we all did that? The kind of impact we could have in this city? Because quite frankly, I'm tired of information. I'm just tired of information. I, I want to see the church be the church. Be committed to the mission of Christ, this, this commitment to Christ that calls us to follow him. Now, I don't know about you, but um, have you ever yelled at, I mean, oh, spoken loudly to your children? <laughs> have you ever had guests coming over the house and you had to get the house clean before they got there and you had your kids and you're like hey okay listen up i need you to dust the rails i need you to vacuum this i need you like you start you know i mean you're like a, a drill sergeant telling them like what to do and then you tell them all these things you rattle off this big list and then they look at you like this Like they're not sure what to do. They're not sure where to start. And so then you have to kind of like slow it down. Say, hey, Jimmy, <laughs> Jimmy, Susie, let's talk to Jimmy. Jimmy, I want you to go dust those rails. But then when you're done, come back to me and tell me you're done. And, and I'll give you something to do, right? So you slow it down. You get real specific. Tell Jimmy what to do. Jimmy does it. He comes back. You give him a new thing to do. Now all of a sudden they're working. But before, they were just standing. And see, cause so, so just giving people information isn't necessarily going to lead to action. They're going to be inundated with all kinds of information. We've have, I mean, we are running out of our ears. We have information just pew, pew. As the church, we have the best information. We have so many books. We have so much theology. We have Christian programming. We got Christian music. We got all everything. We got Christian shoes. We've got it all. And we're sitting there and we're looking at God going like this. And Jesus comes in and says, come and follow me. And I'll make you fishers of men. I'll teach you how to do this. <laughs> he walks in with a big idea. Because see, more information often leads to less clarity. More information often leads to less action. 
And Jesus comes in and he says something completely different. He starts to clarify some things. He starts to help us see. See, Jesus wasn't interested in all the little bitty information pockets that we get into. He was interested in a very big idea. And that very big idea was very clear. And he made it very clear. Do you know that his disciples weren't confused? They were not confused. Like when he was done, they knew what to do. They were clear on the mission. They knew exactly what to do. They weren't, they weren't spending their time processing the information and never doing anything with it. See, I, I, I believe this is that we're bombarded as people with too many competing little ideas. And the result is, as a church, more information with less clarity than we've ever had before. See, we need more clarity. We need more action. And I think one of the ways to get to that is to have a centralized big idea that helps the church move forward together. Laser-beamed focus. Now, some of you are like, what is this, like a vision talk? Kinda. Kinda. But I do believe this 100%, wherever you are on your journey today, if you can get focused on what really matters, on what really matters, it's a game changer for your life. It's a game changer for your life. Because here's what I know. Listen to this. The Bible was written to be understood and applied, not misunderstood and ignored. See, God gave us the Word of God not to just sit on a shelf somewhere and collect dust. God gave us the Word of God to help us to know what to do, how to do it, and to understand it and put it into practice. And so often we say to God, God, I don't understand. And He says to us, that's not true. You, you, you do understand. I've told you what it is, but you're not doing it. See, Jesus was real clear, and he got real clear with his people. Look at this in Matthew chapter 4, the, the rest of the story, as they say. Matthew chapter 4, verse 18 through 20. On that day, Jesus was walking along the shore of the Sea of Galilee, and he saw two brothers, Simon, also called Peter, and Andrew, and guess what they were doing? Throwing a net into the water, for they fished for a living. And so Jesus is walking along the shore. He, he sees these two men, Peter and Andrew, and he notices that they're fishing. And then he says this into their world, into their context. He says, come and follow me and I will show you how to fish for people. I will show you how to fish for people. And then he goes on in verse 20 and they, look at this. They left their nets at once and followed him. Now, I know some of you are processors. And Jesus comes to you and says, drop your nets and follow me. You'd probably be like, well, you know, Jesus, I've got a couple of questions. Right? You'd be, where, are we, where are we headed? Right? Where are we going? Do you know where we're going to stay? Is there food there? Do they have a bathroom? I mean, you go through it all. Like, you're like, do I leave now? Or can I say goodbye? Like, you know what I'm talking about. Verse 21. A little further up the shore, he saw two other brothers, James and John, sitting in a boat with their father, Zebedee, and they're repairing the nets. And he called to them, come. <laughs> Verse 22, look at this. They immediately followed him, leaving the boat and their father behind. Now, I don't know about you, but if I was doing work on a boat, fixing the nets, and my kids were like, 
see some rabbi walking by and he's like hey come on in with me <laughs> and they get up and they actually start to follow him and you're left holding the net I don't know about you but I think as Zebedee I'd be struggling with that a little bit I'd be like get your rear end back here you don't even know that guy he's crazy anyway you don't, you don't even know where follow him where right like where are you going you know you got you're going back here to fix the net <laughs> I, I, the bible is so fun because it, it it presents the human condition and it, we all know what it would feel like for jesus to show up in the middle of our world and say hey come follow me and i don't know about you but but when jesus says follow me there's all these excuses there's all these things there's all these i can't I, I've got Little League and my kid and I've got to go here and I've got to go there and I've got to, I got to, I got to, I got to, I got to. Is that fair? I mean, I'm not, I'm not, I'm not just being mean here today, am I? Isn't that fair? Like Jesus shows up and tells us to follow him and we come up with all the reasons we can't. And I'm not even talking about for your destiny. I'm not talking about for your eternity. I'm just talking about your day-to-day -day life. We're like, hey, I'm busy, I've got work, or I've got a meeting, or I've got this, or I've got that. We come up with all these excuses, all these reasons why. Did you notice that Jesus never asked Peter and Andrew to come and be Christians? Did you notice that? Like, he was never like, hey, come and be a Christian. Now, this is curious, because we're known as Christians. But see, God is not all that interested in this label, Christian. What he's really interested in is, are you a follower? Are you a follower? Not do you have a title. Not do you call yourself a Christian. No, no, no. He's asking, are you a follower? And if you're a follower, then you follow. Christians often sit. <laughs> they read. They're strong readers. Now, come on, guys, you know I'm just picking on you a little bit. God never called us to be strong readers. No, if you can't read, I want to help you to read. I do. But God never called you to be a strong reader. He called you to be a follower, to give your life to something greater than what you're currently giving your life to. He said, come and follow me. I love this. Don Everett wrote a book called Jesus with Dirty Feet. And it's just a little bitty book, and he challenges some ideas in our lives. But he wrote this. He said, Jesus was not a Christian. He never asked anyone to become a Christian. Never built a steepled building. Never drew up a theological treatise. Never took an offering. Never wore religious garments never incorporated for tax purposes. <laughs> he simply called people to follow him. That's it. That, despite its simplicity, is it. He called people to follow him. It's never more. It is never more than Jesus calling them to follow and a response dropping familiar nets and following in faith this sandaled Jewish man 
It is never more than that. 2,000 years of words can do nothing to the simple, basic reality of Christianity. Those first steps taken by those brothers, Peter and Andrew's theology, was as pure as it gets. Jesus said, follow me, and they did. Jesus says that to each one of us. Do you notice that the first disciples weren't confused by what Jesus was saying? They knew exactly what he was saying. There was a big idea embedded into their life that, that radically changed who they were. They knew exactly what he was asking, even though they were stunned by the ask. They knew exactly what he was saying. The teaching was absolutely clear, and it catalyzed a movement of Jesus' followers that radically changed the world for good. Guys, that's what we're a part of. We are called into this. And then what happens is if that's not enough, and some of us have actually uttered this before, what about the deeper teaching? Right? What a, I got to go somewhere where there's some deep teaching. You know where the preacher really reads the Bible and preaches out of the Bible, exegetes the Bible, verse by verse, line by line, King James, if you will. <laughs> I like all that. I love the Bible. I love to exegete the Bible. The rich, young, the rich young ruler comes to Jesus. He comes to Jesus, and he kind of asks the same question. He says, Jesus, what do I need to be saved? I don't know if you've heard this story. But in the same way, he's like, he's literally saying to Jesus, hey, I know, I got it. I've got all the, I got it. I've kept it. I've done it. But for some reason, he wasn't sure of his eternity. He wasn't sure of his future. So he comes to Jesus. He's heard the big idea, so to speak. And he comes to Jesus and asks, what about the other stuff? What about the deeper stuff, right? Listen to this in Mark 10, 17 through 21. As Jesus was starting out on his way to Jerusalem, a man came running up to him and he knelt down and he asked, good teacher, what must I do to inherit eternal life? Verse 18 is kind of, it seems out of place. In verse 18, it says, Why do you call me good? Jesus asked. Only God is truly good. Now, in, their, in this story, at this time in history, to refer to a human being as good was a problem. And so for them to even refer to him as good teacher, he, he was locating Jesus with the divine. Does that make sense? But Jesus, he he deflects it. Do you notice that? He deflects it. He says, only God is truly good. But Jesus knew what was going on. He knew that he was referring to him in this kind of divine way. Then watch this in verse 17. But to answer your question, you know the commandment is, watch this, guys, you must not murder. And you know what the rich young ruler is saying? Check. You must not commit adultery. Check. You must not steal. Check, right? You, you must not testify falsely. Check. He's getting excited now. 
He's like, oh, I'm almost to the end of the list. Check. You must not cheat on anyone. Check. Honor your mother and your father. Check. Verse 20. Watch this. Teacher, he says, I've obeyed these commandments since I was young. He's so excited. He has caught through the list that the teacher gave him. Check, check, check. I did it. Check. And he thinks he's scot-free. <laughs> and then Jesus does something. He peers deep into his soul. And he looks at him in the eyes. And, it, and the Bible says that he has compassion for this man. I think when we're deceived, Jesus has compassion for us. I don't think he's mad at us. I think he's got compassion because he looks at you as a child. He looks at you as his son or daughter. And he says, dear child, it, I know you think you've got it figured out. I, I know you think by keeping all of these things, you've got it figured out. But you at least had enough faith to come ask the question. And so Jesus looks into this man's eyes. The Bible says that he felt genuine love for him. And then watch this, this is what he says. There is still one thing you haven't done. He says, go and sell all your possessions and give the money to the poor. And you will have treasures in heaven. And then he says this, come and follow me. Now, we get focused on the possessions and the money because we really like shiny things. And so when Jesus tells him to sell all his stuff, it's like, whoa. Like that's what starts to sting. But do you know what Jesus' point was? His point wasn't the riches. His point was, are you following me? In other words, are you willing to give up everything that you have that's holding you back to follow me? Do you see how this big idea, if we grabbed hold of it, could change everything in our world? Everything. That if we simply said to the Lord in a humble way, Lord, I want to follow you with my life. No matter what, wherever you say go, I'm in. Do you see how that could radically change everything? It's one big idea. Imagine if we took that one big idea and we started to share those big ideas in our community with action attached to them so that we could begin to make the, the changes, see the impact. And maybe we'd be known for, we'll be less known for what we're against. You know what I mean? And it, it, people will see what we're for by the actions that we take by the ways that we put the gospel and the mission of God into play. That they, my mentor says this to me, you can't argue with a good life. You can't argue with a life well lived. And if you're a believer in Jesus Christ, if you're somebody that follows, if you'll live the way Jesus has told you to live, your testimony, your witness, it'll be strong, friends. And people will want what you have. And so as a church, what we're going to do is we're going to focus on big ideas. And we're going to focus on putting those into practice. Because I do truly believe that if we will give our effort to not just more information, 
But if we'll give our effort to understanding exactly what Jesus said and then doing it, whew, guys, game changer. Game changer for our city. Game changer for our nation. Game changer for our world. It, I, I really believe it will create an exponential impact. And friends, that is what we need. We need that, don't we? As a society, as a country, the church, guys, I don't know if you've read the data, we're not winning. We've got to change our strategy. The church has been declining since the 1950s in America. And just because there's big churches doesn't mean there's more conversions. We have to change our tactics. And perhaps if we do that, perhaps if we'll do that, if we'll follow Jesus, just simple, simple, that maybe, just maybe, we'll be able to turn the tide. And so, let's pray together, because Lord knows we're going to need his help. God, you called us into a life that is not about us. We are called to follow you with our lives. I don't know what that looks like for you right now. Perhaps you're not a follower. <laughs> Perhaps you've been a follower, but you maybe sat down. Or maybe you're a follower, but you've come up with a lot of excuses. I can't. I'm too busy. I've got this. I've got that. I've got kids got soccer got work Jesus did not come to compete with anything he calls each one of us to follow and my heart for us today is that we would follow him wholeheartedly with a submission and surrender to our Lord who is more than worthy of our lives and our time and our energy. He's worth our lives. And so I want to offer a prayer for those of you in the room that would like to, to get serious again. Not necessarily rededicate your life for salvation, but maybe just for action. God, I want to pray for anybody in this room that would say that they're a follower, but maybe they've not been following, or maybe they've, they've been sitting, or maybe they, 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 they've, they've stopped. God, I, I pray, God, I pray in Jesus' name that anything that's holding anyone back this morning that would be broken off of their life, God, and that they would begin to follow you with abandonment that maybe they've never had before. God, that they would follow you because you're worthy of their lives, that they would follow you because you gave everything for them, that you literally gave your life for them. God, would you help us to see that again? For those in the room that want to rededicate themselves, re-up, get serious again. 
God, I pray in the name of Jesus for a filling of their spirit with your spirit, that their life would be full again with power and faith and passion for following, for the mission of God. Jesus, would you help them? And for anybody else in this room that you would say that, you know, I, I've never followed before. But man, I'm kind of interested now. I'd love to pray for you. And the Bible says if you'll just simply put your faith and trust in God, in Jesus, his son, and what he did for you on a cross, that he'll come in and he'll save you and he'll set you free and he'll begin this process. If you're willing to follow, he'll do his part. And so I want to pray for anybody in this room that would like to take that step of faith. God, I ask in the name of Jesus for anybody in this room. And if that's you, just, just say this to the Lord. Lord, I'm sorry for rebelling against you. I'm sorry for my sin. Would you forgive me of my sin? Would you be my Savior? Would you be my Lord? Would you, would you work inside me and set me free? And I choose this day to follow you with my life. We pray all these things in Jesus' name. Amen. You know, for anybody in this room that maybe took a step of faith, I want to invite you to do something as we worship. And so in just a moment, we're going to spend a, a few more minutes worshiping God. And I'd love for you to do something because I believe the enemy wants to keep you from connection. And so if the enemy can keep you from connection, he can keep you stuck. And so one of the things that we need to do is fill out some kind of information. Our name, check the box, says, I gave my life to Christ today and give it to somebody. Now, I know that's bold. If you're like, I can't do it, well, then drop it at least in the boxes as you leave. But if you can at least take that card and maybe bring it to one of our prayer people in the corners here and just give it to them, they're going to pray for you. They're going to they're gonna shake your hand. They're going to bring you closer to the body of Christ that you need and get you the connection that you need because we all need friends. Amen? We all need friends. And so being able to make those connections is so important to your success. And so I'd love for you to take advantage of that. Even as we worship, just go ahead and step out and, and do that. But I'd like to invite you to stand. As we spend just a few more minutes worshiping our King. Guys, He's worth our fellowship. I know I just made that word up, but He's worth it. That's what you do when you have a theological degree. You can make words of fellowship. But he's worth our lives. He's worth our praise because he's good. And so let's just spend a few minutes worshiping our king again. I'm going to pray us into this moment. God, I thank you for your word this morning. God, we believe in faith that you're moving in power in this church. God, we ask for a continued move of your spirit. Jesus, I ask in the name, in your mighty name, that you would fill this room with your spirit, Lord, as we worship you, as we honor you, and as we sing your praise. In Jesus' name.